Welcome back to another Monday morning episode of Blind Boys Politics. I am Chris Baker. Starting out in the weather in Los Angeles, California, it is partly cloudy and 86. In Houston, Texas, there are thunderstorms with a high of 81. And in Chicago, Illinois, it is raining 75. And then finally, in New York City, partly cloudy 92. It's going to be warm in uh, New York for the next couple days, so lucky us. If you couldn't tell, Nick is off today. Um, I don't know if I should be saying this. You may never know this, but Nick is out partying right now, having fun, celebrating his graduation uh, since he graduated from high school on Friday. So he's out having fun, um, and I'm taking over. So if the editing's not so good and the sound's not so good, Please give me a break. Nick is the editor, the sound engineer. I just do all the other stuff, but hopefully it doesn't come out too bad. Um, I did have some help from people that work for us behind the scenes, so hopefully it's not too bad. But I promise you, Nick will be back here for Friday and Wednesday, of course. But Nick is just enjoying some time off while he is enjoying graduation. So, I don't really have much to say about myself. I graduated last week, too. I celebrated that night, just like he did. Um, well, he's celebrating the next night, but same difference. Um, so, I think we're just going to get into the talk of the talk for this week. We have to come up with a better name with that, but I'm still, I can't come up with anything. So, if you guys have anything Please let us know on Twitter, at BlindBoyPolitik, of course. But, um, the theme of graduation since Nick graduated, I graduated high school. There was a new study out saying that the average high school graduation is from 90 minutes to about two and a half hours. And after reading that, I thought, you know, I figured, why not talk about it a little bit? My graduation usually goes on for three hours, and my graduating classes average from 240 to 275, somewhere in that range. But this year, they uh, had to cap it to 90 minutes because there was other things going on after our graduation. And to be honest with you, the 90 minutes didn't seem very long at looking back on it, but right now, or then, sorry, then, when I was sitting and everyone's name was being called in the speeches, it was like, wow, is this ever going to end? But 90 minutes, that kind of seemed like a good time frame. Um, I know Nick's was about that time frame as well, and he, he has a lot less people graduating in his class. So, I don't know. I wonder if his kind of felt like what our typical three-hour graduation feels like. Um, because I went to one, two of those three-hour graduations, and boy, they are long. Even for someone sitting in the stands, they are long. Um, and then another friend of mine, uh, her sister graduated with a class of 496, and it went on for over three hours, and I can only imagine how that felt. Like, don't get me wrong, graduation is great and everything, you know, it's a great celebration, you know, 13 years, you've worked hard to get the diploma, but, wow, three hours, I, I just, I couldn't, I, like, my attention span for that is just 
not there. And some of the speeches, like we've had, we had a really good keynote speaker at mine, but the other ones were kind of me. And to be honest, once I had my diploma in my hand, I just wanted to leave. And I feel like everyone kind of feels that way, you know, especially after this year with the unique year we've been in. And but I mean, two and a half. I don't know. Anything over two hours just seems really long to me. And it really made me wonder. I'm kind of curious um, how long everyone else's graduations usually are. So I'm going to put a poll out on our Blind Boy Politics Twitter account uh, this morning. And I want to see how long, on average, everyone's graduation is. Because I'm really curious. Is, like, three hours typical for some people? Is that really long? Like, what is... I kind of want to know where everyone's graduation is. I don't know. I'm just curious, and that's just that. But now that it seems like I'm rambling, as we do for every Monday, let's get into a COVID-19 update. So, the cases and deaths are down 90% from January 20th. 70% of adults 30 and over are now vaccinated with more than 175 million Americans with at least one shot and more than 150 million people fully vaccinated. 16 states in D.C. have reached the goal of 70% adults vaccinated, and 87% of seniors have gotten at least one shot, and almost 80% of all seniors are fully vaccinated. Four states have less than 50% of their population vaccinated, and Delta variant has now made up a 95% of the new cases in the United Kingdom as we speak. The youth and the one are the ones driving the surge in the United Kingdom and the United States has started following the UK pattern with the Delta variant and what is going on there. And two weeks after the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, it is still 88% effective against the Delta variant. New studies have shown. That is the end of the COVID-19 update. Getting into some infrastructure news, a deal has been reached between a small group of Senate Democrat Republicans and White House on a massive infrastructure stimulus plan. According to Senators Romney and Manchin, the deal is about $1.2 trillion over the next eight years with $579 billion in new spending in Apparently, it is fully paid for. This is just a framework of what they call a top-line deal, so we do not know the specifics of what is included, or more importantly, how they are going to pay for it, and the legislation still hasn't even been written yet. But this 10-member group, five Democrats and five Republicans, met with the president Thursday to brief him on the specifics. And keep in mind, the president originally proposed a two-part infrastructure that we did talk about in March and April, and the negotiations have been talked about a lot over on Medium. So if you want to get all caught up on that, the link to our Medium articles are in the show notes. And altogether, those two plans cost about $4 trillion. So this framework is drastically less. Just because there is a deal between the 10 senators and the White House, this doesn't mean it is a done deal. Now that the president signed off on it, more details do come in a few minutes about that, but the group of 10 senators need to get the rest of the Democrats and at least five Republicans in the Senate on board, plus they need to convince the House this bill 
is enough. Now, like I said a few seconds ago, the president has signed on to the bipartisan infrastructure stimulus deal. First, let me explain this is an infrastructure stimulus deal. There is no forced stimulus check for you in this plan. The president has two parts to his infrastructure bill. Part one, he calls his physical infrastructure, and part two, he calls human infrastructure. The plan he agreed to Thursday is a physical infrastructure, and President Biden proposed a $2.2 trillion that and he has agreed to $1.2 trillion over the next eight years. It includes $579 billion in new spending, like I said, for roads and bridges, cleaning up lead pipes and drinking water, and broadband expansion, among many other things. This deal is fully paid for, and lawmakers said it will not create any new taxes for anyone making less than $400,000 a year, and no new federal gas taxes and no new fees for electric vehicles. Just a reminder, this is far from over. The 10 senators need 50 other senators to sign on to the bill to make it past the Senate. Then they need to convince the House to vote on the bill. Not to make it even more complicated, but the president has said he will not sign it unless the human infrastructure or the American Families Plan, what it has also been referred to, is also part of the deal. The president says that it will include funding for child care, education, paid family leave, and many other things. The president fully expects this human infrastructure plan will have very few or no Republican support, so it will have to be done through the budget reconciliation process. That means all 50 Democrats will have to vote yes, and the vice president will have to be the tiebreaker for the 51st vote in order for it to pass. This is going to be a long road, and it will probably take the rest of the summer to sort out. Moving on, the federal eviction moratorium has been extended for one more month. The new deadline is July 31st. The CDC says this will be the last extension of the federal eviction moratorium for renters and those who own a home from foreclosures if they are federally backed loans. There is federal stimulus money available for renters' assistance if you are behind on your rent or utility bills. The White House has acknowledged the states are having a hard time distributing that rental assistance money, but said it would expedite the process by getting help from the Treasury Department. Keep in mind the fight against the eviction moratorium is raging in the court system. At this point, there are several high-profile cases moving through the federal system, claiming the federal eviction moratorium is unforceable. Moving along, Friday, a Minnesota judge sentenced former officer Derek Chauvin to 22 and a half years in prison. He sat in the courtroom emotionless while the Floyd family made their statements, including Floyd's seven-year-old daughter. Back in April, Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three charges, including second-degree murder for the murder of George Floyd for having his knee on him for over nine minutes. When asked by the judge, Derek Chauvin did make his comments but they were brief. The defense asked for probation, but ultimately the judge sided with the prosecution, and Chauvin has 90 days 
to file an appeal, which is almost certain to happen, and the three officers that were also involved with the death of George Floyd are still awaiting their trial. And moving into um, a little different type of news, the unclassified UFO report is out, but don't get too excited. Overall, the feds say there isn't enough concrete information to make a determination about what these objects really are or what kind of threat they specifically pose. Saying limited data and inconsistencies in making, reporting, classifying, and evaluating these things are challenging. They say reports may actually be the results of several different things, sensor errors, spoofing, and observer mis conception. The report released by the Office of Director of National Intelligence is nine pages. This is just a preliminary assessment of what the feds call unidentified aerial phenomenon or UAP. Based on reliable sources from the military, the DINA used new reporting and found between 2004 and 2021, 144 credible reports, with 80 of those being picked up by multiple sensors, and 18 incidents described in 21 reports, observers reported unusual UAP movement patterns or light characteristics, like unusual speed, stationary, or maneuvering. Down the road, once identified by the government, these UAP would fall into what the they say these five categories are airborne clutter natural atmosphere phenomenon usg or u.s military classified programs foreign adversary programs or other here's what dni deconfirm these uaps pose a safety risk to planes and aerospace concerns and could pose a challenge to national security. The DNI office was required by law to classify some of these incidents by Congress last year and concluded the reports by asking for more money to further study and classify these UAPs. Now getting into rapid news like we do every episode, Southwest has raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and Johnson & Johnson has agreed to pay $230 million to New York State to settle claims that the pharmaceutical giant helped fuel the opioid crisis. Getting into good news, I'm sure if you're a long-time listener, you know that Nick is actually the king of good news, but since Nick is off partying, I am in charge of the good news, and I, honestly, I, I, I will give full credit to Nick. Nick is the king of finding good news, but I do have to say, if I didn't find this story, I probably wouldn't be so confident. Now... This story, I think, is an amazing story. This story is amazing because an anonymous person went into a restaurant in New Hampshire called the Stumble Inn Bar and Grill and got lunch, which for a total of $37.93, the guy left a $16,000 tip. Yes, you heard me right. A sixteen thousand dollar 
tip. I mean, throughout the whole pandemic, we've heard of these amazing stories of people leaving generous tips of, you know, 100, 200. I mean, this guy blew it out of the water. $16,000 tip on a $37.93 bill. Um, the waitress that waited on him told him, or he kept on telling the waitress, don't spend it all in one place. Don't spend it in one place. And that made her look at it, and she saw the $16,000 tip. And then later in an interview, the owner, Mike Ziera, said that he thought that the waitstaff was well-deserving of it, worked very hard, and he just wanted to give back. Now, this guy, keep in mind, he went in there, he bought a couple chili cheese dogs, and then he ordered pickle chips in a tequila drink at 3.30 in the afternoon and left a $16,000 tip. I mean, this is so unheard of. I mean, it's just a, such a large, freaking generous, like, tip. I mean, $16,000, that can change anyone's life. I mean, that, I just, you know, it makes me wonder how someone can, you know, give a $16,000 tip. I mean, if anyone that gives a good tip, I mean, Bravo to you, because, I mean, waiters, waitresses, they work so hard, but, I mean, wow, a $16,000 tip? That, I mean, that's just amazing. You know, honestly, I that's why I love this story so much. Wow. I'm just, like, I've read this story before, obviously, but... It's just processing in my mind that someone went into a bar and grill and left a $16,000 tip. Just, wow. I mean, that is an excellent good news story. If I didn't find this good news story, I think Nick would still be the clear king of the good news. But now that I found this good news story, I got to tell everyone about it. I think I might deserve some credit. We'll find out, you know, Friday morning whether or not I deserved the good news, like, assistant crown, like, or the assistant badge. We'll find out if I deserve that or not. But that is an amazing good news story. $16,000 tip on a $37.93 bill. My mind is so blown. But that is the end of this Monday Morning Blind Boys Politics. I hope you enjoyed you spending your Monday morning with me. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Blind Boy Politics for the latest 24-hour breaking news. Follow us on our personal accounts to see what we are up to. But until Wednesday morning for another dumb law, make sure you check out our Medium articles. But we will see you Wednesday morning. Have a great start to your week, everybody.